cannot speak for that long. <laughs> Eight hours, that would be amazing. Yeah. Okay, and we are live with another episode of React 30. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Michael Jackson. Uh, uh, joining me today is my co-host, Ryan Florence. Hello. Uh, you, I, I, I should have introduced you as, like, John Muir or something like that. Because you look, <laughs> you look very much like a naturalist here. I got a shirt on. Should I take my shirt off? No. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's awesome. do a naked react phone, you know? <laughs> yeah, naked react. <laughs> Our nope. special guest today, we are super, super excited to welcome Nick Graf to the show. Say hi, Nick. Hey. Glad to be here. Thank you very much for the invite. Yeah, man. Thank you for thank you for being here. Um so Nick, uh for those of you who do not know is the uh, he's he's a contributor in a lot of different places in React, um, but uh, most recently I think he's been spending quite a bit of time doing uh, DraftJS plugins. Um, and so if you're not sure what DraftJS is, DraftJS uh, for those of you who may not know is is an editor. Uh, it's a WYSIWYG editor that you can put right in your web page. Uh, came out of Facebook earlier this year. I believe they announced it at React Conf, right, in January? Absolutely, yeah. For me, and I think it was, at least to me, it was the, the like most underrated uh, release on a React Conf ever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. It, I mean, it just happened, and, and Isaac went on stage, and like then it was a little bit on Hacker News, and I was like, okay, like, I mean, I was totally pumped by it. I was like, holy moly, I want to give this a try. And like, But in general, people were like, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the difference must be just the kind of apps that they work on. Because uh, when I was yeah, at Instruction, when I, was at Instructure, I explained our app is like, we're basically makes a little bit of Facebook with WordPress. And that's what our website is. And uh, every, every bit of content that our user saw went through a WYSIWYG editor. Like basically our entire app went through a WYSIWYG editor. So when I saw DraftJS, I was like this. If I still had my old job, uh, would have been awesome. So yeah. what, kinds of, what, what, uh, what kinds of apps are you working on that made you so excited about DraftJS? Um, actually, I didn't have a specific use case. It was just like in the past, I worked on a project management tool. And there was a lot of like, want to do auto-completion on tasks um, and, and like emojis and all that kind of stuff. Um, and like even put in images and drag and drop them and, and basically like make it a very rich text editing experience but then yeah back then it was super hard I mean using backbone and, and all that kind of stuff that I like became I tried to build a lot of that stuff myself but whew, did you, you know, ever oh gosh. did you ever use tiny MCE uh, no I never did oh okay that's um, yeah. good <laughs> I mean, I, I used some of those, and like I, I got pretty excited every time like something new was coming out. But then you give it a try, and it's like, yeah, not not exactly what I what I want to do. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, for me, I mean, the the biggest um, the biggest thing about DraftJS was this immutable data structure, and that it like it completely syncs between the content editable and the data, and that like yeah. whenever you do a change. You have it right away in the data. When you change the data, it's it syncs back right away to to the content editable, so to, to the DOM, and that's so powerful because um, 
I mean, if you have all your things that is incontable as data, you can simply save it. You can save it as data to the database, and that's so much more nicer than like just putting HTML into the database. I mean, this was like a super pain point for me in the past. Like, oh, yeah, because every time you pull it out of the database too, now you're screwing around with like serializing, deserializing. Oops, we deserialized twice, and so now everything's a mess. Oops, we serialized three times. Yeah. yeah. And then Handlebars has a bug. <laughs> so so yeah. I don't know about you guys, but uh, for me, content editable, I hear that I hear that term and it sends shivers down my spine. <laughs> like it just it just kind of like, oh are Good you shivers or bad shivers? You no, know, bad. It's like oh. you're messing with content editable. Oh man. You you better like you better watch out because there there be dragons down there, you know? Um, Dragon drop. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, so that's what I'm kind of curious to know is how well, you know, because you, so the reason Content Editable is such a pain to work with is because uh, different browser vendors have interpreted the spec uh, differently, which, yeah. of course, always happens anytime there's a spec. Um, so <laughs> how, did, how did they, you know, sort of, how does Draft.js sort of paper over those inconsistencies? Have, have, have you found that it, it does it pretty well? It does it pretty well. I don't know exactly how, how they do it internally, but um, I think it, what it does is it captures your, your keystrokes and all that kind of stuff and then fixes the, uh, fixes the content or it, like, maps it to the data and then back if I'm not mistaken. But I'm, yeah, like, because not... if you pass those keystrokes directly through to the underlying DOM API, right? somebody does a simf something as simple as I hit the enter key. Right, yeah. and in all the different browsers, you know, in in one browser that might be represented with a line break element, in another browser that might be represented with a completely separate div in the HTML, right? So exactly, you can't yeah. leave it up to them to uh, you know to 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 interpret it. You have to interpret it at the data model, and then you tell the browser basically, look, here's what your content should be, and also here's where the cursor should be, right? Here's what the se current selection should be. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you need to take care of, of content state and selection state, and that yeah. makes it quite a tricky concept or quite hard to work with. Um, yeah, but absolutely, yeah, super powerful. Absolutely, cool. So, so you've been pretty happy working with it. So, um, so tell us when when kind of you got the idea for Draft JS plugins. I imagine it was pretty quickly after they released Draft JS Core. Yeah. So what you could see like the first weeks of after Draft JS being released. Um, it's like a couple of people worked on different editors. I, I mean, the most basic thing is like everyone tried to to match Medium, the Medium editor. Yeah. And like yep. we built this with Draft.js. Um, for me, the the downside of this um, like monolithic system that everybody built is was like you had to use exactly their feature set, or don't use it at all, or build your own. And mm -hmm. that was kind of like meh. I, I want to have like I want to have it pluggable. I want to use different components in different use cases and even some sometimes reuse them. Yeah, can you, if you have a comment field, you want probably want to have add mentions. Um, if you want to have status updates in Facebook, you also want to have add mentions. But maybe in one of them you want to have stickers, but not in the other. Um, I was just playing with the add mentions plugin right as you were saying that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and and so yeah. Um, by the time I was at Stripe, um, so Stripe, um, I got this open source retreat grant, uh, which allowed me to to work for three months full time, paid by Stripe, oh, and I was sweet. like 
super fantastic. And I actually had to I, I plan to work on, on different projects. Um, something that I, I launched with Max Stoiber, um, Carte Blanche later on, but as well as Bell. But um, yeah, there was this each. I really I saw all these people building out these huge projects, and I felt like we can make this so much nicer and easier if we just put a plugin system on top of it and build a couple yeah. of plugins. And yeah, it was like for me, I plan to do it for like three, four weeks. And then like showcase it, but yeah, I got hooked and and it is for like seven, eight weeks full time, just uh, building the plugin system and yeah, a couple of people jumped on the. So I mean, the, the idea for me was to never make it a, a solo thing. I wanted to have like build out this team and let different people build build out different um, plugins and in general, I like to approach open source uh, projects as like. Build a team first, and then uh, work on the open source project. Yeah, that's um, that's a trick. That's definitely a tricky part. Let's let's talk about that in just a little bit. Sure. Uh, yeah. That's. I, I would love to talk more about that specifically. Yeah. What I want to hit on first, though, is kind of your plugin API. We've talked. You talked about kind of like composing in certain behaviors into an editor that you know aren't present in another version of that editor. Maybe you need mentions in one spot, and you don't need them in another spot, but instead you want drag and drop photos, for example, whatever. Um, so, so you know, composing in these behaviors is something that the React component model is actually really, really good at. Um, it's something we talk about a lot in our in our training workshops. Um, what have you learned about kind of the the composition model, and and how are you using that specifically in the plugin API? To be honest, I I haven't actually. Um, sure. I've, I've kind of poked around on the website, but I haven't actually built an editor using DraftJS plugins. So tell me as like a like a newbie, like, okay, so you know, what what is the API for that? What is it? What does that look like? And what have you learned about about React sure. as a result? So uh, to get started, DraftJS takes a couple of properties. So what you can give it is a custom style map. You can give it functions like render block uh, function, and then oh, it allows okay. you to to hook into this um, into this function hooks and and uh, override these objects, which allow you to do different things. And if you build it as a monolithic system, you basically have well, like one block render function, and totally. then you do all the stuff in there. And what we what we thought about in the beginning, or the plugin architecture, how it basically works is we took the editor and we extended it by it takes now a, uh, an additional. So it actually is a wrapper component. I, I thought about like using a wrapper component or a higher order component. Yeah, um, but we we decided for wrapper. I can uh, explain why um, a little bit yep. later. But yeah, I think I, I, I think that's a great approach. So you take the editor that DraftJS gives you, and you wrap that in your own component. So you render one of exactly. those in your own component. Yeah, and Excellent. then um, what we did basically is that it accepts plugins, which are just plain JavaScript objects, which have all the properties that uh, the DraftJS editor takes. Basically, as um, you return a plugin is just an object, and if you have block render function on the plugin, it will go through all the plugins and call all of the block render functions from all the plugins. Basically, it checks like, does this um, plugin have a block render function? Then yes, call it, uh -huh. and do exactly what it. Be. So instead of having everything in one function as a monolithic thing, you basically split it up by the editor, and and then you can. Compose or like you have a kind of a plugin system where it's like okay the the 
block render function part of um, the add mentions plugin sits in the uh, mentions plugin and the same part for like the sticker plugin sits in the sticker pl plugin and then basically you just pass the whole thing down to the real DraftJS editor. That's and awesome. ideally it would be cool if that would be in the core but yeah that, that's the thing Facebook really right now doesn't really need it and yeah. I really like the approach of like only building and using stuff they need by themselves mm -hmm. and I talked to Isaac in the beginning like very early on and, and he even gave like mm -hmm. Isaac is the creator of DraftJS plugins uh, DraftJS sorry <laughs> and he and he gave a lot of really good feedback and we came to the conclusion okay let's make this two separate projects and um, they can help each other out and like he was very um, uh, influential on like how we do the plugin system and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I, I, I think that's a, that's a super, super smart approach. Um, the, the, only, um, the only kind of thing that, that kind of comes to my mind is typically when I've built systems like that, sometimes what I do is I end up with two things that are like order dependent. You know, they are like, definitely um, order dependent. Yeah. Yeah, That's like, like, oh, you yeah. need to, like, like, like Express middleware. You know, like you need to use yeah. the cookie parser before you can like use the cookie session middleware or something like that. Have you guys run into any situations like that in the DraftJS plugins? Are there any plugins that you know are kind of you're like, oh, those are out of order. You need to switch those around. Um, with the core plugins, not at all. Okay. Um, because so, and that's also like. Uh, um, if you make everything like to, to match exactly what it needs or to only yes. do exactly what it should do, yes. um, then you don't really run into this problem. But yeah, you need to be very careful because once you start to write your own plugins and you be like, I don't know, if you, if you match a whole text and, and you replace all of that text, then and it bails out early because this plugin allows to, uh, this plugin hook mm -hmm. allows to bail out early of that, that whole chain. Then, then you definitely run into order troubles. And yeah, um, yeah basically that was like um, a trade-off that, that we took. And if you have a yeah, really good idea... Kudos to you guys that, for, uh, for avoiding that problem in core because I, I, I always yeah. run into that problem. In fact, I've been kind of dealing with that problem myself in the history library in a few spots. Um, yeah. Just kind of, it's, it, it, you have to really, really be careful, but I think you can avoid it. So if you guys have been able to avoid it, kudos to you guys because that's awesome. Yeah. But it's, I mean, we know about it, or we knew about it when we when we wrote all these plugins. Mm -hmm. um, but then, yeah, if you give it to to different people, uh, new developers starting out with the API, you have to. Uh, I, I write it in a in a guide how to create a plugin. I wrote and oh. noted, made a note. Hey, um, be careful what you match and what you return, uh, and where you bail out. But yeah, it's it's uh, cool. it's tricky. Cool. cool. If you have a good solution to that, I'm I'm really eager to hear. <laughs> I think I think I think you're just supposed to use uh, I think you're supposed to use uh, the, the principles of functional programming. <laughs> How? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just wave your hands and it'll all yeah. work. It'll be fine. No, actually, if you do observables. <laughs> oh no, no, no! We're not going there. We're not going there. Uh, so, so, uh, <laughs> so, 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 so we had we had a bunch of plugins built on top of TinyMCE for our software, uh -huh. and not only were things order dependent, but we were also like 
triggering events on the document with jQuery to like make things happen between plugins. Because sometimes you just need a global, right? It was amazing. It yeah. But, uh, hey, we made we made a cool product with it, but uh, yeah, your your solution sounds pretty good. That's, That's actually, awesome. uh, but we we. Sorry, Michael, you were you were trying to switch gears. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm fine. This is what the, this is what this is all about. Go ahead, Nick. Um, uh, the first couple of plugins that I built, they were not uh, too dependent on each other, and that made it really nice. But um, Benjamin, uh, so currently, like, there's the 1.0, and uh, are you talking uh, about Ben Benjamin? Uh, no, uh, Benjamin Benjamin Kiffler. It's okay. I think I have to I have to double check. Okay. Um, but um, the first plugins that like I mainly built, um, they were like very independent, but uh -huh. he now started to, and that's for version 2, um, uh, he started to build out like image, an image plugin and drag and drop and all this kind of stuff, and then you, you need to be plugins to be dependent on each other, or you, but uh, I'm not sure how version 2 will work out. What we might do is like make it more based on higher order components to have this kind of like wrapping uh, for components, so for example, it could be the image plugin, and then you wrap it with a drag and drop extension, something like this. But this is a little bit tricky because, um, yeah, that's where we're currently struggling with, like how to do the architecture for more complex stuff where things get interdependent between plugins, or maybe they should not be different plugins. And yeah, just yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's where I've kind of run into like. <laughs> maybe this shouldn't all be, you know, external. Like maybe this should all be a monolith. Well, that's that's yeah. kind of what people have done you know? with Flux, right? <laughs> it's like as soon as you have two stores in Flux that need to know about each other, like, guess what? You only have one store. Yeah. yeah. Um, sure. And uh, yeah, same. It seems to happen all over the place in our programming. Yeah, but the thing so, is, so globals. Yeah. So let's use globals. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> let's Just say kidding. let's say you have image and, and video. Um, you could generalize the drag and drop code into something uh, that lives on the outside and would be perfect for a higher order component. We, we just have to give it a try and see how it works out. Um, especially when you when you touch all of these bomb events, then um, things get tricky. But yeah, we we are on the way to, to give awesome. this a try. So when you're Sound, building these plugins, like how these plugins, how much do you like? Feel, what percent of your time do you feel like I'm writing React code, and how much of the time do you feel like I'm writing terrible code so that other people can write React code? Um, is that question hard to say? Yeah, Make but I, I, I'm definitely writing a lot of um, a lot more um, tricky code. I think it's not so much about like be that it's terrible code, but it's more about like. You need to know a lot about like different UI layer, uh, different UI uh, uh, um, edge cases. For example, the mention plugin is um, is area um, or works with all the area text properly. And Thank you. You basically, I mean, I, I I copied it from Facebook initially, and then I, I read up all the on the specs and and so on and so forth, and checked if that all's fine. But yeah, that's good. And they have a blind engineer who checks that stuff, and um, that's really cool. But um, 
you get to really tricky interdependencies. For example, you have um, with React, you have this nice way of composing things, and you could have a, like an, an outer element, which is the, the autocomplete, and then you have the sing, uh, separate entries. Mm -hmm. But the problem is with the area uh, attributes is that the, um, that the outer component needs to know the ID of the inner, um, of the inner uh, element and it needs to know exactly what's, what's active. And this is yeah. really ugly because you cannot have this dropped uh, like top to bottom anymore. You actually have to, from the child, have to go and tell the um, uh, tell the parent, "Hey, I'm Hubbard now. I'm updated." And then this is uh, like a lot of stuff that is. It's not particularly hard, but you just need to know about that stuff, and you then you start to write a lot of code where you feel like, "Yeah, would be you're breaking out of this nice um, uh, composition." Uh, pattern where you like it's just top to bottom. Uh. Yeah, and so, sometimes with Aria stuff you can not do that. There's like an alternative where you could have like a there's a different attribute that you could use so instead of using a selected ID. You could have like a, a value that you get out of that thing and just keep it at the top. But even then, you still got to send the value up. But uh, yeah, that stuff gets rough. Ember was actually really cool here because Ember yeah. uh, put. Oh no! I think we lost him. Hold on, Ryan. We lost you for just a second. You said Ember is cool here because Ember. If we could maybe just leave it at that, I guess. Can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I can hear you now. You're going well. Yeah, um, Ember put IDs on all of your elements and components automatically for you, and so everything always had an ID. Um, nice. And of course, since it was two-way bound, you could like just send that thing up really easily uh, to the top component. Uh, yeah. Where in React, I found I had to like keep my own counter and add my own IDs to things, um, you know. And then you got to write the code like, well, did they already provide an ID? Yes, they did. Okay, let's not use the one from the global counter. And yeah, it was a, uh, it's a little bit more work for that in React. Yeah, nice. Uh, one thing to add here is, um, I think a lot of the plugins they, they just take away a lot of work in in terms of, because the draft APIs is not that simple. You have to First, you have to learn about the concepts. You need to know that there's this um, there's this editor state, and inside you have the content state, the selection state. In the content state, you have um, you have blocks, then per block you have text and character list and all that kind of stuff. And basically, my goal with these uh, plugins was that if you only need like one to two features, like add mentions or or image upload or stuff like that, image drag and drop. That you don't have to need, uh, you don't need to know the internals of DraftJS. You just can go um, import DraftJS plugin editor, um, run this, add this one plugin, do some, uh, do a little bit of configuration, maybe styling, theming, uh, which is not too hard or not too tricky, and and then you get this really nice feature out of the box. And where I would love to see people going is, I mean, now we have this super nice tool. Um, that allows you to to do to build same content that I will feature um, um, features based on content that I will. And what I'd love to just see is like a lot of people making way way better experiences with this um, with a lot of these features. Like I think a lot of websites would just be way nicer to use if I could use hashtags, add mentions, um, and and just image management inside a text. Field. 
Um, yeah, if it was just a plug-in and npm install, like everyone mm -hmm. could just have it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I, I always used to. I always used to really envy people who did, like, stuff on iOS because a lot of this stuff is yeah. just done for them. You know, like insert an emoji, and you tell an iOS developer like. Oh, it's gonna take me a while to do that on the web, like properly. And they look at you like, "What do you mean? Why don't you just have like a text view and somebody just types an emoji?" And you're like, "Oh, it doesn't really work that way." <laughs> yeah. Because everybody's not on an iPhone. That's why. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Especially with emojis, for I can tell stories. It's really tricky. <laughs> tell us. Tell, tell us your yeah. horror story. Yeah. Tell us your um, emoji story. Uh, uh, like I implemented emojis and, and it worked well and then it's like pretty cool and then you hit backspace and then you figure <laughs> out that an emoji is actually um, because it's it's this UTF something um, multi-byte character right yeah exactly it has like it takes up space for two characters so if yeah. you hit the backspace on an emoji and you can try this in, in medium like it still is the case of medium type put in emoji. And set the cursor right after the emoji, hit backspace, and what you get is like a, a question mark character. Because it, it's just a, some kind of gibberish of... of, uh, of yeah, it um, deleted one byte, but it didn't delete exactly. the other byte. Yeah. So it only has half the data it needs to render the emoji, and then it's like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> yeah. I just did it. <laughs> yeah, and it works, right? Yeah, I mean, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah exactly. And... It, um, I mean, of course, DraftJS has a, a pretty cool feature uh, that allows you to, to save these, uh, like, solve this problem because what you can do is you can connect characters with an entity to, and you can say they're mutable. So if you remove one part of it, it removes the whole thing. This is exactly what you do when you type in, um, uh, or it can be segmented, it can be mutable, or it can be mutable. Awesome. And... Um, yeah, and then with with uh, making it immutable, it's connected, and then you can whenever you remove this emoji, it's really gone completely. That's um, awesome. So, so what is the what is the output of DraftJS then? Can I is it is it HTML at any point in time? I, like like if I want to save this off into a database, and then I wanted to reboot up my DraftJS editor, what do I give it? Is it is HTML the serialization format, or do they have some higher yeah. level kind of string format? Um, there's a there's a Kind of a data. So what you internally, it, it's structured in in um, you have this content state and the content state uh, has blocks which usually are lines. But I mean you can make it uh, if you let it float then it's not a line anymore. Yeah. Um, no. No. Pub, pub, public API. Um, gonna... Yeah, that's a public API. And what you can do okay. then is you can convert this content state um, to a JSON um, structure. Okay. And this JSON structure basically has like everything in there. So if you have, if you have entities in there and all sorts of other stuff, um, um, then it just gets like it gets part of this. Um, makes sense. Uh, yeah, that makes structure. sense. You can put it into the database and you can um, recreate the editor state or uh, in particular this content state with the same JSON again. That That's makes sense. Really cool. Yeah. yeah. It's like super awesome. <laughs> Awesome. So, so we only have a, a, just a few minutes left. Um, yeah. You touched on something earlier that I, that I totally wanted to touch on uh, yeah. because I think it's... it's uh, are, are, you, are you saying yeah for the same reason that I'm I thinking? Guess. 
guess so, I know what you guys want to talk about. <laughs> uh, no, so I just, I just wanted to talk about just kind of uh, what you were mentioning earlier about like managing an open source project, you know, getting people involved. You, you, you mentioned something about how you like to have the team in place. Um, I know you've had, had a, you know, a lot of help from, uh, from people like Max. Uh, you mentioned somebody named Benjamin, who I uh, who I don't know. Tell me, who who is kind of the team that you're working with here, and how have you managed to kind of assemble that team and learn to work together on on these projects? Yeah. Um, so in general, what I what I want to do is like or I learned over the time is that like managing an open source project by yourself um, is first of all really hard because it's it's a lot of work. And second of all is I really like to work in teams because even I mean if even if you're super experienced in, in an area you miss out on, on like things uh, on, on like architecture um, uh, improvements or, or just shortcuts in development and all sorts of stuff and, and so I always think of like okay if I wanna work on something and I, I wanna work on it with a team and so like the way where the first open source project, or not the first one, but the uh, the first one I did with React was Bell, this UI library. And there, what I learned is like you can sometimes when you want to create something big, you probably have to start out first and like make people interested. And that's what I always like do now. It's like I, I come up with a prototype, show it to people, and say like, hey, um, are you interested to work on this with me? And let's make it a team and then work on it together. And that worked for Bell, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Chotti from India, she joined. And uh, like, she was super helpful. And uh, I mean, she did amazing things there. Like, um, I never wanted to touch a date picker. And in the end, because she was motivated, we, we created the date picker. And, um, awesome. and then, yeah, and that's how, how I started out with DraftJS as well, the, the DraftJS plugins. I wanted to build this team. Uh, to be fair, it's really hard because I mean, people—if people have jobs—and uh, like most of them do, including me—it's um, yeah, it's a lot of work. Um, and if they and don't, they're doing open source to get a job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's um, that's absolutely true. Yeah, and the. Yeah, so but I, I still feel like only as a team you can really. I mean, open source to me is like it's a marathon, not a sprint. So you really have to get in, get in those people working it together. It's way more fun. You can. Um, um, it's way easier to manage. You 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 don't miss out on things. You can go on vacation and don't feel bad about it. <laughs> um. Hey, I like yeah. that. <laughs> Um, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying here, Nick. I I I I, I love it. Um, thank you, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today. We're unfortunately we're out of time. Sure. Is there anybody you want to give a shout out to? Any of your uh, any of your uh, DraftJS collaborators you want to give a shout out to, real quick? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, Benjamin, um, Benjamin Pascal. Uh, Pascal was with me in the open source retreat. Benjamin did a lot of the image management, uh, table plugin, all that kind of stuff. He's like, he's really good. He's awesome. awesome. Um, uh, yeah, Jotty, Max, especially in the beginning for, for like um, work, a lot of work on the documentation. Um, 
super thankful to them. Doc documentation is so important. I'm, I, I, think oh, yeah. I, start, I think I just finally realized that documentation is actually more important than the code. Yeah, I mean, you can like, have there's to... A, there's a greater than relationship there. Documentation is over Cookie, here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the if you is... just write self-documenting code, you solve both problems, right? Yeah. Oh, just read the source code. <laughs> why, why can't you figure it out? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the right. thing is, you can write the most awesome code, but if nobody understands how to use it, it's worthless. Exactly. Yep. If anybody wants to see a great example of that, go and look at my mock library on GitHub. <laughs> it's thousands and thousands <laughs> of amazing lines of undocumented code. Couldn't even get his business partner to use it. I remember I tried to get Ryan to use it, and he had there was a comment in the code. So the the library was called Mock, and he goes, "I sure wish that Mock had some docs." <laughs> I spelled it D A C H. D A C H, just like I spelled Mock. At that point, I was like, "Yeah, it's, I'm not going to use this anymore." All right, Nick, thank cool. you so much for being on our show, man. It was a blast talking to you. Um, I. I think Draft.js plugins are in very good hands, and uh, I think, you know, I just want to thank you for all the work that you're doing in open source. I think it's awesome. Um, can't wait to hang out again. So um, so thank you for being on the podcast, and uh, and best of luck to you. Thanks yeah, for having Thank you. Bye-bye, guys.